What's going on? It's JLS from Nick of Time Show here, to give you that Nick's talk just in the nick of time. Joining me today, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with the stats and the facts. Ryan G is in the building. Damn right, he's in the building. Yes, sir. <laughs> Knicks fans, we just finished watching the Heat and the Lakers go toe to toe. And there were certain things that I liked that I saw from this matchup, mainly because these teams are two teams who weren't really in the playoff picture before. And now we're looking at them like, well, damn, it seems like it is possible to for things to change quickly if we have the right organization and the right pieces in place. So I thought it would be nice to kind of, you know, compare the Knicks to not the Lakers, because I don't I don't feel like the Knicks. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think a LeBron AD player come to Knicks anytime soon. Right, so. right, right, right. <laughs> But when you, but it's interesting because when you compare the Knicks to the Heat, you can if you squint really hard, Ryan. Like if you're blurry, you just woke up, snot is in your, in your eyes, and you squint real hard. You can kind of see similarities between certain players, and yeah. you can kind of get to see a pathway to where Knicks success can be. Go ahead, Ryan. I know you want to say something. No, I was just saying that, yeah, the Heat is the more realistic possibility because if you look at the Heat and the way they form their team, a lot of it is formed through the draft, you know, so the Heat just drafted well, and then they were able, then they were able to track one star playing Jimmy Butler. Facts. You put it together, maybe you work out a couple of trades, mm -hmm. you put it together, and then all of a sudden you have a team that's a contender, and the thing about the Heat too is that the Heat doesn't doesn't really have a superstar player. It's just a, it's it's just one star player, Jimmy Butler, and a bunch of like really good players and role players put together. So it's very possible to make an NBA Finals as long as you have a a squad that complements each other and plays off of each other really well and plays defense. Exactly. So what we're going to do right now, or what we're going to attempt to do anyway, which we thought would be fun for for us and you guys to watch, is kind of put together a plan of how the Knicks can pretty much build a Dollar Tree Miami Heat. <laughs> <laughs> Great value Miami Heat. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> like, if you go to Walmart, yeah. <laughs> this is for Knicks fans. This is this is only for the Knicks fans, because I know some people are going to be looking at these, these players like, there's no way this play can be this, and there's no mm -hmm. way this play can be that, but Ryan, I know a lot of Knicks fans might be thinking this. When I watched Jimmy Butler do what he did, bully balling people, mm -hmm. um, causing the switch, him taking advantage of the mismatches, and bully balling people from 15 feet in, I'm watching this game thinking, man, if RJ can just watch this game and he... To me, it's foreseeable that RJ can kind of look at his game and tailor it towards Jimmy Butler just because they both have that I'm going to outwork you bully ball mentality. Right, am I alone in thinking this? 
I think it's a possibility. I mean, of course, a lot of people are going to be looking at R.J. Barrett and looking at Jimmy Butler and being like, you know, Jimmy Butler is definitely the much better player at the moment, which is Obviously. true. Because Jimmy Butler is a veteran. He's been in the game. He's much more knowledgeable. He's worked in this game extra hard to get to where he is right now. And R.J. Barrett, and RJ Barrett still has a lot of work to do. But if you look at but if you look at both of their games, like if you look at Jimmy Butler, like I wouldn't say Jimmy Butler does one thing exceptional. He just he just does everything really good. You know, like he can score, mm-hmm. he can rebound, right? He can also create baskets for other players around him. He can post up, you know. He and he can play defense. He does. He just does a lot of things really good. And and the way I look at RJ Barrett, like I think of RJ Barrett as a similar type of player, like. There's not one thing that RJ Barrett does exceptional, mm-hmm. but he does things really good. And I feel like if RJ Barrett just develops his game over time, and even this past offseason, like RJ Barrett bulked up. So now he's even stronger. So he can definitely do the, you know, the bully ball thing where he can take you know players in the post and take advantage of them, you know, once you know the switch happens and he gets a smaller player on him. Right. He can also score the ball. I mean, yeah, this past season. He wasn't that great at finishing at the rim, but, you know, like we've mentioned, like the Knicks hardly had any spacing. Right. You know, Jimmy Butler in Miami, Jimmy Butler has the spacing because he's surrounded by shooters. So he's able to drive to the basket and impose his will on whoever's guarding him. And I feel like RJ Barrett, uh, Barrett, uh, with him getting stronger, he'll be able to do similar things in New York. Exactly. And... It's interesting once you really dig into the numbers because for this episode, guys, I was really digging into like the, the cleaning the glass stats and, and NBA stats.com and trying to and really comparing these two. And when you look at what Jimmy Butler's done in Miami, he really didn't shoot that well for the year at all. Like, I mean, obviously, okay, his overall shooting percentage is 45%. But when you're looking at his three-point percentage, it's at 25%. When you're looking at his effective field goal percentage, it's in the 23rd percentile. When you're looking at his mid-range percent percentage, it's in the 47th percentile. There was only two places where he really shot well on the floor. And that's in the lower mid-range, right? Where he shot around 40%. And then he shot around 64% at the rim. And when you're looking at the cleaning the glass stats, those numbers are pretty good. They're okay, but they're not even like 99 percentile. They're they're just good percentages. And so when you look at what Jimmy Butler does well and compare it to RJ's does well, you can kind of see a path where RJ can go that Jimmy Butler route. And to me, having Tom Thibodeau and these development staffs here to teach RJ um, certain things makes that pathway even more applicable eventually. But there's certain, there's still certain things that still is, I feel like it's gonna be a longer road to get to. But I feel like I'm not saying is RJ has a chance. RJ RJ definitely has a chance. Um, and I'm gonna get to something that that. Ryan was speaking about before, right? The listen, RJ. We all saw RJ got snubbed. He didn't make the rookie team, even though you know he he finished the fourteen points a game, um, and he you know was among the league leader in steals amongst the rookies. But 
despite his shooting deficiencies, what RJ was elite at is the foul rate. He was able to draw fouls at such a high rate that he is in the 92nd percentile in the NBA. Drawing fouls at 14.8% of the times. So what does that tell you? That tells you as a star, as a guy in this league, if you can't, if you can't hit the jump shot, if you can't hit the three at a high rate, the next best thing to do is to go to the foul line. And as you can see, when the game slows down in the playoffs, Miami was able to, you know, play the pick and roll, have mismatches on the switch. Jimmy Butler went to work and he was able to draw fouls time after time after time after time. And that's why uh, Jimmy Butler in general is a great player. Not, not just because, you know, because he not just because he makes the team, his, his teammates around him better, but he's able to draw fouls at a high rate. And I feel like that's something that RJ does already. And he can kind of build off that and expand his game to mimic Jimmy Butler's. <clears throat> um, now, what he has to expand on now, to me, is uh, the passing. Yup. The passing. How did you, what do you think of Jimmy Butler's passing in, in the series, man? Well, Jimmy Butler definitely showed that he has the playmaking ability. And I think he's shown that pretty much throughout his career. I think, I think he showed that when he was in Minnesota. He showed that when he was with, you know, Chicago, Philly. You know, like, he's that type of player where, you know, he can drive to the basket. And if, you know, if he draws on defenders, he'll either feed the player that's open in the post for easy basket or he can, you know, kick it out to a three-point shooter. And that is something that RJ Barrett definitely has to work on. Like, that part of his game isn't developed yet. But, you know, RJ Barrett has shown flashes of that. Exactly. You know, you know he's shown flashes of it at Duke. And then he continued to show flashes of it with the Knicks. So I think that's one area of his game that he's definitely going to have to improve in. At the same time, though, like I said, it's going to have to deal with spacing. You know, like it's hard to do those things when you don't mm -hmm. have the spacing. And he didn't have the spacing last year with the Knicks. And if the Knicks can, you know, adjust the roster to where RJ Barrett's going to have that space, I feel like he can be a bit more effective in doing those similar things and, you know, and completing those similar passes that Jimmy Butler can do. Absolutely. And we're going to even get deeper into this talk and trying to figure out other NBA comparison comps to other Heat players that we can possibly bring into this team via free agency or during during the draft to kind of fill those needs. But we'll get into that possibly in a later video because we were really going to try to get a deep dive into, into what RJ Barrett can do to improve to the level of Jimmy Butler and as Ryan was saying, he the passing has to get better. He's he's shown flashes. Uh, Jimmy's usage rate on the passes is, is um pretty high, <laughs> 91st percentile compared to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> compared to RJ's who was in his twenties. But you're hoping that you're hoping that Tom Thibodeau can bring it out of him. I don't foresee. I don't think, I don't foresee RJ getting to that level. I hope he can. Yeah. But to me, when I'm looking at Jimmy Butler compared to RJ, he seems like he always had kind of had that in him where it didn't matter who was scoring. 
I'm dishing the ball because the man is open and that's the way I do. I just like to play team ball. RJ has that other thing in his mind where I'm going in. It doesn't matter what. Yeah. He's had that in the, the Duke days and he's had it here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and as of today, RJ is only averaging about two assists a game. Um, and Jimmy Butler is at six. I would like to get that number to minimum four. Yeah. Minimum. Minimum four. And I think he can do it if Tom kind of throws it in, beats it in his head to pass the ball more. Now, like, I like the passes. Like, right as of today, he's hesitant to kick those, kick the ball out to the corner. He is a willing passer to Mitch on the pick and roll. We've seen that work. But we've also seen him do a lot of damage in the pick and roll at Duke. So, you know, he has it in him. But but for me, the um the path to success for RJ Barrett is to really concentrate on driving and kicking. One. Two, passing out the post. Because he's a big bully ball player, um, because he does, he is in the 68th percentile in post-ups. Um, compared to Jimmy Butler, who's in the 79th percentile, which is why I feel like that's another comparison where those two are kind of similar. I feel like if he's able to, to to get his passing game up, he's able to look at some film and get those passes to the corner for the most part, because that's where Tom Pivotal wants to do. He wants to post up more, because you heard him say it. He wants to post up and get you those corner threes. I think that's a surefire pathway for R.J. Barrett to get to Jimmy-esque level. Yeah, ask at the moment. Just ask. <laughs> if I squint my eyes and... <laughs> Jimmy, is that you? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like. I know some people are like, what? It's blasphemous. Yeah. It's blasphemous. I know. It's a stretch. This is a, a, a Knicks fan's way of thinking because Knicks fans exactly. are Exactly. <laughs> this is very Knicks fan home way of thinking. But at the same time, Jimmy Butler is averaging 19 points per game and he's in the finals. <laughs> exactly. And when you look at RJ's numbers, he was only averaging 14.3 points per game, but in March, what was he averaging? 18 points a game. 1.7 steals, you know? And his free throw percentage went up, even though as well, to 75% from three. So if you combine his ability to draw fouls, post up, and just for this year, if he's able to get his free throw percentage up to a respectable percentage because of the rate he gets to the line RJ Barrett should average 18 a game in my mind yeah and, and like we said like it might seem like a stretch now but then you have to remember Jimmy Butler is pretty much 30 years old right RJ Barrett is 20 you know like <laughs> RJ Barrett got a lot of years to go till he's 30 so there, there, there's a lot of years for improvement for RJ so if so, I think projecting him to develop to a Jimmy Butler esque level is is isn't you know too crazy to say, 
you know, especially seeing that in his rookie season when he was like 19 years old, he was averaging like 14.3 points a game. And, you know, like he's not averaging Jimmy Butler stats, but, you know, it's pretty close. And I don't think it's too wild to project that he can reach Jimmy Butler as stats exactly. in the future. Exactly. Especially if you build this team correctly, like Ryan was saying before, um, more shooters. Just getting more shooters here in general will increase his percentage at the rim. Because as of now, it's only at 54% at the rim, which is pretty horrific. <laughs> I think that alone, with the extra year in his belt, will help on the offensive side. On the defensive side, though, Ryan. Yeah, that's where um, definitely you're going to need some help. <laughs> that's, that's, where, that's where Jimmy makes his calling card. Yeah. And I will say this. I was skeptical of RJ in Duke. Because he felt a little passive on defense at times to me. When he got to the Knicks, he he wasn't a world beater on defense. But I feel like there was effort. There might be a technique thing. There might be a technique thing because I was reading that um, he was in the bottom of the league when it came to one-on-one defense. Mm-hmm. But when it came to the pick and roll defense, he was in like the 75th percentile on pick and roll defense. So there is something there to work with on a defensive end. To me, that's uh you can be taught that. If you have the if you have if you have the ability, you can be taught that. I think you can be taught that. Maybe it's, it's just technique. Um hopefully it's uh more fluidity in his hips to, to to be able to 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 slide on defense, maybe things like that. But I think he can get better in that regard on the defensive end. Yeah, most definitely. Like RJ Beffer, RJ Barrett, he already shows the effort on defense. So it's just a matter of getting him to be a better defender and being more inf- impactful on the on the defensive end. That's it. It's not, it's not like he's not like he's a player that you know. Every time he's on defense, he just zones out all the time. Like, no, RJ Barrett is the willing defender. So you're hoping that with Tibbs there and the coaching staff and the, de- and the developmental coaching staff that's there, they'll help to, you know, coach RJ Barrett up to a point where he's going to be an impactful defender on top of, you know, being impactful on offensive end as well. Exactly. And just to give you the exact numbers, 76 percentile in guarding the pick and roll ball handler. Uh and within the 77th percentile and guarding opposing players coming off screens on pick and roll. So not bad, RJ Barrett, first year pick and roll defender. Long ways to go to become Jimmy Butler, but it's a pathway, man. It's a pathway to greatness. It's a pathway, man. I'm hoping. I'm hopeful. Knicks fans, come. Come with the hope. Join us. Yes, sir. <laughs> we, need, we need all the hope we need yes. right now, yo. Yes. <laughs> This episode is strictly for Knicks fans, all right? Strictly for Knicks fans. Episode is strictly yeah. for the optimistic Knicks fans. Exactly. <laughs> haters, haters go that way. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't we don't need it right now. We've we've had enough hate these past 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> we, we had enough hate this past 20 years. We're gonna talk about some some hope right now. Um, yes, sir. So now that we finished talking about RJ, we move on to the next comparison that I think is pretty obvious for most people. Yeah. Mitchell Robinson and Bam Adebayo. <laughs> now, what do you think of these two guys, man? What do you see that's similar from these guys? Well, Mitch and Adebayo. Well, this is this is uh, to me this is kind of a more rough comparison because 
I feel like there's aspects of Adebayo's game where Mitch is going to have to like really step up his game. Yeah. To to be to become a similar player, but like if you look at the basics, like off the pick and roll, they're both players that can roll to the rim and finish at the rim, which is you know something that you need in today's NBA. You know exactly baskets off the pick and roll, and the fact that you know. Mitch, you know, Adebayo is a good defender at the rim. And I feel like Mitch, at this point in his career, like, he's a better defender at the rim. Like, you know, he blocks more shots. Mm-hmm. You know, he alters more shots and things of that nature. So he already got that on his side as well. Right. It's just it's just that there's aspects of Adebayo's game. Like, Adebayo will, he'll, like, he'll take the mid-range jumper at times. Mm-hmm. He'll, like, he'll get the ball at, like, near the top of the key and he'll like drive in one two dribbles finish at the rim right and things of that nature and Mitchell and Mitchell Robinson hasn't gotten to a point yet at least in the NBA game like we we like we see it on the highlight film but you know of him practicing with his boys or whatnot but <laughs> <laughs> Shane God Mitch being the effect exactly. on the highlight like, exactly but like in the NBA game like he hasn't reached to that point where like, you actually like you know, gets the ball like near the top of the key and then he puts the ball on the floor, one, two dribbles and finish at the rim or he hasn't really gotten to that point yet where like he'll take jumpers. And then another thing about Adebayo, Adebayo's game where Mitch needs a whole lot of improvement is the passing. Yeah. Because Ad, Ad, for a big man, is a really good passer. Yes. Yeah, and he'll definitely like set his teammates up to, you know, in the right positions to finish well. And Mitch hasn't reached that part of his game yet. You know, like, Mitch is barely even in the post, you know, doing post moves and stuff. You know no. what I mean? So, I, you know, Mitch has still has a ways to go there. But overall, like, Mitch is still young. And if, if like, if we have the right development coaches there, Mitch can possibly at least be, like, a replica or, or like, a great value replica of Adebayo. Yeah, um... I'm going to start with the assist and the usage rating um, with these guys because I, I love everybody here loves Mitch. Um, there's people who are out here talking about trade Mitch uh, f- before we have to pay him. Duh, 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 duh. I'm not on that bandwagon. Uh, and here's and here's the thing, though, with Mitch. The usage rate for Amabayo is is just that much higher like he, <laughs> he, he as a big man as a center his usage rate is at 88 percent, which is pretty damn. damn high yeah for a big man um 88 percentile and, and and mitch's is at 10 and you can see why a lot of this a lot of his work is just on on lobs right but to me, the one area where I'm just like, I don't, I don't see a pathway here. I just, I don't. <laughs> is the passing. Right now, I don't see it, Ryan. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a long shot. It's a long shot. It's a long shot. Because the things I've seen I, 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 Bam do, like he'll lead a player with a bounce pass to the rim. No problem. Um... He'll throw a lob pass from that foul line, no problem. Mm-hmm. As of today, Mitch, when Mitch gets the ball in the, in the foul line, people kind of just drop back, and he looks a little lost and confused. Now I don't know if that's because of the coaching, or he's just afraid to make a move. But I would like to minimum 
see him take that one or two dribbles and go to the rim just like Adebayo does. Yeah. I definitely think that's possible for sure. <laughs> if he's sham god, if he's sham god in, in these videos with his friends mm-hmm. in high school, he can take two or three jewels and bang it on your face. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no qualms with that. Everything else though, there's a pathway. There's definitely a pathway, right? Right now, there's a, there's a point percentage. Bam Adebayo plays more minutes. He's playing in the 30-minute range while Mitch is in the 9.7 minutes. Um, Here's the thing. We all know Mitch still fouls at an extremely high rate. Yeah. So for him to get more minutes, first of all, he has to stay off. He has to stay in the game and stop fouling so much. The crazy part is, as much as he fouled this season, Ryan... He's gotten better since last season, which is crazy. <laughs> which is crazy, yeah. Because <laughs> last season he was in the sixth percentile in twenty in his first season, and he, and he he moved that up to the seventeenth percentile in fouls per game, which is which means that he he fouled a little bit less, yeah, a tad less. And yeah, even in this season, I don't know if it's Mike Miller's doing, but as the season went on, last season. He was able to foul less, and he was fouling at the rate of average NBA centers by the end of the season, according to uh, the Atlantic. Shout out to um, shout out to Mike at the Atlantic, who I got that stat from. Mm-hmm. So, first and foremost, to get those points up to uh, 16 points per game, he has to stay in the game longer, play more about around 30 minutes a game, and the the quickest way to do that is to limit the fouling. Yeah. Uh, secondly, thing he needs to work on rebounds. I know right now he's he's averaging seven rebounds a game, and around twenty three minutes, which is amazing. But there is still something going on with the defensive rebounds when it comes to Mitch. Like as of now. He is not, uh, he doesn't defensive rebound at a high rate. And maybe it's because he's chasing blocks, but right now he's only at a 38th percentile in defensive rebounds. <laughs> uh, but it also could be because he needs to get a little bit stronger. Maybe in the lower legs to defend off of opposing centers who are trying to um, rebound. Mm-hmm. He needs to get a little bit stronger. And it doesn't even just show in defensive rebounding stats. If you go on clean the glass, it also shows in the rebounding stats from the foul line, which is also pretty low in the 14th percentile. So I think strength might be an issue for Mitch. And if he gets his, his leg strength up in particular, I think we can shore that up. And he'll be able to be a good offensive and defensive rebounder. Because as of now, he's a really good offensive rebounder, and that's carrying his his rebounding percentage so far. Um, the other things I like, of course, the the seventy four percent field goal percentage, the best best field goal percentage in the NBA. I hate that. <laughs> the two blocks a game, awesome. Um, he's tops. In blocks and steals as an NBA center, mm-hmm. there's uh he and um the the 
the miscellaneous where maybe he can maybe like he doesn't have the passing that Bam does, but you're hopeful that the shooting stroke can come alive and he'll be able to at least hit a 15 foot jumper or three point shooter, a three point shot. And if that happens, even though he doesn't, he won't, I don't think he'll ever get to the assist, assist chops that our BAM has. I feel like if he's able to at least spread his range a little bit, it'll give other people a little bit more room to grow, to mm-hmm. operate. And it might help offset some of what he's missing in, in, in the assist realm. Yeah, I definitely feel you on that. Like with assists, like I feel you. Like I don't, I don't see Mitch ever being a center that can give you five assists a game, like Adebayo does. But I can't see, like if he can get to at least like two point five, maybe three assists per game, like I'd be happy. I definitely with Mitch. I'll, I'll definitely be happy, and it's concerning too because his free throw percentage is at fifty six percent. It actually dropped from the year before. Which is interesting because when you watch Mitch hit shoot free throws, the shot doesn't look crazy. Nah, he, no. It doesn't look like Devin Fassell. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? It doesn't look like that. Like, it don't look yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, yo, speaking of that, that's wild though because like the dude's a good shooter, but his shooting form is crazy though. I'm yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he may, maybe he, he was, maybe was trying a new form out. I don't know. I'm not gonna hold that against him. He shot. He shoots well in the games. That's all that matters. Exactly. But that's that goes Marcus Joakim, no one looking shot, bro. <laughs> <laughs> My man was looking crazy. Were. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. All right. <laughs> but back to Mitch. But back to Mitch. But yeah. Um, defensively though. The fact that he can block, can uh, play defense at the rim, um, there's still potential that he can guard one to five, even though he kind of gets lost when he gets on switches sometimes or he overplays, he still has the athleticism to get back into plays. Kind of like, um, so he still has the potential to be switchable. Um, I really want to see what the big man whisperer Kenny Payne has to say about that. Uh, and, and and Tom Thibodeau, who these guys are a stickler for teaching people the details of the game. So that part of his game could grow. Even um, his post game can grow a little bit. Who knows? But I do feel like there's a lot of room for, for Mitch to grow. And he, I feel I feel as if it's less likely he'll get to a bam, a bam, uh, a bam rate, a bam comparison because of the lack of assist. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I feel like RJ has a s- slightly better chance of getting closer to Jimmy, even yeah. closer to Jimmy. Even though me, I won't say I'm not going to say Jimmy, but you know, <laughs> in the vicinity, maybe. Yeah, but um. If Mitch throws those things, I think we'll be fine as those two guys being the pillar. And you can kind of concentrate on building out the rest of the team. 
Yeah, pretty much. And speaking of the Mitch like comparison, like I think it'll be kind of like it, it's less likely he'll reach the level of the level of Bam Adebayo. Like I see Mitch more like a Rudy Gobert type player. Mm-hmm. You know where you know he'll he'll defend the rim. He's very effective off the pick and roll and things of that nature. But even with Rudy, even with Rudy Gobert, like. Gobert will pass the ball at times, you know. Gobert's also a willing passer from the center position, you know. So, to me, it's like if Mitch can at least just, you know, maybe average like around 13 points a game, hopefully like 10 rebounds a game, you know, still be effective off the pick and roll, defend the rim, and at least give me like two and a half assists per game. Like, I, like I'd feel like that would be a great, like, growth for Mitch Robinson in general, even if he doesn't reach like out of bio type levels. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Just yo, just give me just give me a jumper, yo. Just give me a jumper. Just give yeah, me a that jumper. too, yeah. Just give me a jumper. <laughs> if you're not gonna pass like out of out of bio, just just give me the five give just give just, just give me a jumper. Exactly. Just give yeah. me a little, that's it. Keep, keep him honest. Keep him honest. Of, like a like like a little like 15 foot mid range yeah. jumper, and then you know, and then you know, like one or two times, you know, hit a three. You know, I'll be I'll be straight. Oh be yeah, straight. well exactly, attempt and a half I'll a game. Yeah, I'll be yeah. straight. Yeah, that's it. And we'll, we'll take care of the rest. We'll take care exactly. of the rest. Um, yeah. Which brings us to the point guards. Point guards. The point guards. Yeah, I know I said I was going to start with a certain player, but I almost feel like I'm going to reverse it. All right. <laughs> I'm contemplating my mind. All right, so as the as we are building the Dollar Tree Miami Heat on the Knicks, we already have R.J. Barrett playing the role of Jimmy Butler <laughs> and Mitchell Robinson playing the role of Bam Adebayo. But now as you go to the point guards, we're looking at what the Heat have, and the Heat did a lot with uh, Goran Dragic. Of course, he got injured in, in the playoffs, in the finals, and he he probably would have helped. Uh, but I definitely feel like there are Goran Dragic-like players on the market in free agency and in the draft too, actually, that can fill that role. So, um, where should we start? Where, where, where should we start? Well, I mean, looking at the list, we got Augustine. You want to start we with Augustine? Van Fleet, and we got um rookie Malachi Flynn. Um, or drafty, yeah, yeah, drafty, yeah. So, um. You know what? Let's start with um, your your boy from Toronto, Van Fleet, because I feel like that's probably the closest comparison, maybe to Dragic. Okay. Okay. Cool. So Van Van Fleet. Uh, what I like about Van Fleet is I I personally don't believe he's the closest comparison to Dragic. Okay. I'll say this. I'll say what he does that Dragic does well, that he, he, he does the best out of all the point guards mentioned, is hit three-point shot. Yeah. To me. 
right? Like he hits, he shoots him at a very high rate. I think around seven, seven a game. Um, and shoots at a high percentage, right? Yeah. What to me, what Van Fleet really doesn't do that Dragic gives you is the finishing. Yeah, that is true. But I feel like I don't know. At least in my opinion, like because DJ Augustin isn't really a great finisher at the rim as well. Like I feel like Dragic can finish at the rim better than both of them. Mm. So to me, it's like. You know, finishing is really give or take with Van Vliet and Augustine. Then, you know, Flynn is a draftee, so we're not sure how he's going to translate to the NBA at the moment. Right. You know, so, like, okay, so three-point percentage at the moment. I think Van Vliet probably has the advantage there with the shooting. When it comes to finishing at the rim, I'm like, give or take. You know, it's a pretty even to me between Augustine and Van Vliet. Mm -hmm. And then it's like pick and roll. I feel like Van Vliet will probably be a bit more effective off the pick and roll, but that's my opinion. You know, and then, like, when you talk about scoring clip, I'm like, Van Vliet actually scores at a clip similar to Dragic as opposed to Augustin, where, you know, Augustin doesn't score as much. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. In my opinion, I feel like Van Vliet's probably a similar comparison, like, a more of a similar comparison, but, you know, different okay. opinion, so... All right, cool. I will, I will say this about Augustine. Because I know some people, there are some people who will say, why Augustine? He's he's kind of washed. Um, And I'll say this, DJ Augustine, he did have a, a, a down year last year. That's And that's pretty much because of injury. But if you look at what he did in the subsequent years, he shot in 40% from three seven times his career. One of those times is under Tom Thibodeau. So we already know there's a Tom Thibodeau factor. Tom Thibodeau already kind of knows what to do with this guy. And, and I think he'll be able to do it again. Right? Decent clip, uh, 3.5 attempts a game. Right? And the games that he did come back, uh, he averaged... Before you know, the whole NBA shut down, he was averaging 19 points a game and 55% field goal percentage, 53% mm -hmm. from three, which is kind of ridiculous to think he'll keep that up for a whole season. But it just kind of lets you know that, you know, once he's back and running, he can get going. I, I think if he had a full season and he was healthy, you would have seen those numbers start to uptick because that's just the way his, his season has been. Um. Also, when it comes to the pick and roll, don't, don't sleep. Don't sleep on him in the pick and roll. He's been he's ranked in the seventy second percentile in, in pick and roll possessions. And he mm -hmm. does it at a high clip too. He does it at 55% of the time. He's he's league leading. He runs the pick and roll more than most of the point guards in the league, even. So he's a really good pick and roll player. Now, when it comes to the defense, that's where you have your problems. But you know, Goran Dragic wasn't a defender either. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Gordon Dragic wasn't defender either. Um, that's when you're hoping that Tom Thibodeau could really, really lean on your defense. I mean, can can develop a team defense. Here's the thing about Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet is a very good point guard. And like I said, the value in Fred Van Vliet is in the two-wayness of his game. <laughs> like, he's a really mm -hmm. good... Three-point shooter, 
who can play defense. But he's not a point guard point guard. So play his playmaking isn't on the level of the other point guards I have mentioned on on this comparison list. Like even Dragic is in the 70s in percentile in pinker roll, while mm-hmm. Van Vliet is in the 50th percentile in, in pinker roll. Um, All right. So, yeah, Augustine will run pick and roll and Dragic will run pick and roll better than him. Um, now, right. it can still work out for us if we if we do get a Van Vliet just because of shooting and his defense yeah. is that good at point guard position. So he'll make up for, for that point. But as a as a tragic comparison, I still might lean towards uh, DJ Augustine for that. But um, you know what, Van Vliet, it might if, if we have the money, Van Vliet might make more sense to you in your mind. And I know a yeah. lot of Knicks fans are thinking that. Here's my thing. Here's my thing to what Van Vliet like. He averages 6.6 assists per game. So if he's not as effective off the pick and roll as, say, Augustin, who averages less assists per game, and, well, Flynn, like we say, he's in college, he definitely seems like, you know, going dragic, you know, style of player. But so we don't know how he's going to translate to the NBA as of yet. But right. My thing is, where does most of his assists come from? That if it's not really through the pick and roll, if he's not really that effective in the pick and roll, like like where does his assists come from? Does it mainly come from like back cuts or like that? That's my question anyway about Van Vliet. Um, I can't I can't give you the exact answer from from what I've seen though. I think it's just more like he just makes the simple passes off of maybe. Maybe like secondary, probably a lot of secondary, like a, a lot of secondary um play action, yo. A lot of All secondary right. play action because I feel like Toronto moves the ball. Yeah, moves the ball well, and it's not just strictly point guard action. Like there's there's Siakam and there's move like man ball movement. So mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of that is just you know get get into the defense, pass it out to a shooter, mm-hmm. pass it out to a or, or pass it to a big man, but it's not like a high. Not to say he can't run a pick and roll. Yeah. He's just, man, he's dead in the middle. 50% is like. Yeah, he's <laughs> give or take. Right. But the the knock on him has always been that people, he's a combo guard mm-hmm. and not like a pure point guard. Yeah. It's just that his shooting is just that so good that, you know, you can open up things for RJ. So. It, it works out if RJ is going to be the one posting and trying to make plays from that post area, then you can use him as a secondary playmaker and it'll work out for you, for us in the Knicks. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the way I see it. All right, so basically he gets a lot of his assists off luck because when they're moving the ball around... <laughs> off luck. <laughs> <laughs> could be as well, because when they're moving the ball around and he gets the ball, uh, like it just it, it just so happens that the player's making the final move to the basket. He's like, okay, I'm going to make this final pass. There we go, I basket. Mean, yo, he's awful. Like, I would say luck. Yo, watch, watch it. Like, watch his passing too, yo. Like, he doesn't make a lot of uh, fancy, smancy... Yeah, I know, I know that. Passes. Yeah. His passes be like... 
Eh. He, he, a lot of his passes is the simple, correct basketball pass. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> the last a lot of his passes are. He not ooh la between mm, pocket pa-. No, he's not doing it. Here you go. Simple correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The correct basketball play. All right. Basketball play. Exactly. Now, which brings me to somebody else I just I started getting into. Cause I am still Team Kira. Let's not, let's not, let's, let's not. Let's not forget that Jay Ellis is still Team Kira. I'm just going over my comparisons, and because <laughs> I stu- I do feel like Kira can um, definitely secondary playmake next to R.J. Barrett, um, and also playmake himself without R.J. to a certain extent. But um, he doesn't shoot the three potentially as high as a volume as these other point guards mentioned. Like even DJ Augustine, even though he didn't shoot well this year, he shot well from three years before, which is the only reason why I don't have Kira on this list, even though Kira can shoot threes. I'm just saying that. All right. But this brings me to um, Malachi Flynn, man. Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. Sky is 6'1", 185 pounds, uh, average mm-hmm. 17 points a game. Uh, four and a half rebounds per game, which is interesting because he's a short point guard. Yeah. 5.1 assists, 1.8 steals, 37% from from three. The thing about him, which makes me think that he's a really good tragic comparison coming out the league and we'd be able to kind of draft him maybe in the 27th or maybe we have to go higher. Who knows? Because I... F- I feel like certain players are. I feel like scouts might be thinking he could be taken earlier. Is his pick and roll passing is on some some next level stuff, and I I'm not an expert on him. I've just been looking at certain highlights and breakdowns of him, and when I'm looking at them, I it, it seems promising. I'll say that. Uh, he can he can. Shoot at the pick and roll. He can pass out the pick and roll in a variety of ways. He does a lot of hang dribbles and hesitations. He's patient. And he and he gives correct pocket passes. So him and Mitch together doing the pick and roll will be a nice addition for the Knicks. Um, and will give us another creator to work with on, on that side of the ball. Um I'm not sure how he passes to the three-point shooters, though. I haven't really seen that many instances of him passing it to, like, the shooters that are available. That would be a nice thing to add, but I do know that the pick-and-roll passing is pretty on point. Also, I'll say that uh, the three-point shooting is pretty good. 43% on spot-up threes. Something that we can all use. Um, 40% off of movement screens, which is when you're watching the Miami Heat, what made them so dangerous is the fact that a lot of the guards and the wings were able to not just spot up, but move to the open spot um, in the half-court offense, cut, and also shoot effectively off of screens. And... He was one of the point guards who was able to do that. Um, 
shooting off moving screens. Now, he didn't do it at a high clip, it seems, but he, he has that ability to do that. But um, he got him up, 6.4 attempts a game. And the tenacity is good at two. Plays full court defense. You gotta love a guy who plays full court defense, especially if you're gonna be six mm-hmm. one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah, and he also, you know, gets his steals. He gets a lot of sneaky steals. Plays really good team defense. And if you're looking at the Heat, they play pretty good team defense. Yes, sir. So I think he will definitely fill that role in that regard. Um, he's six one though, so I. Even though he seems to fight and he he's a good um he plays good defense, you wonder how that's going to translate when he's playing bigger guards in the NBA. Um if people feel like he can still hold his own at that level, but we'll see at six one, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of hurts the fact that he has a six three wings wingspan as well. So it's not even like he has a wingspan to make up for his short height. Right. So yeah, so it's gonna be a, it's definitely gonna be a problem is if you know if he's trying to close out on shooters and things of that nature, you know. So, you know, that's that's the only, like, really, you know, issue I see with him on defense. But I do like the fact that he's from the um the San Diego Aztecs program. Because, I mean, you know, you got to remember, like, that's where players like Kawhi came from, mm. you know. And, you know, they, they're, they're a program that teaches their players how to play defense. Right. So, that's definitely a positive on his part. You know, like, you, I haven't done, like, extensive you know, research on the player. I've only seen, like, you know, little highlights here and there. And, you know, I've read up on him a little bit, but I do like the fact that he's effective off the pick and roll. He's able to shoot with, you know, with movement. You know, he's not just a spot-up shooter. He can, you know, come off screens, Mm -hmm. come off the pick and roll, and just, you know, spot up. He just stop, you know, on the dime and shoot it, which is what I like. Absolutely. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I think if you look at him, like, overall, like, his overall game, like, I do see I do see similarities to Dragic, you know, like Dragic. Dragic is not a very explosive guard, too. <laughs> nah, <it's>, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> from from that standpoint, you definitely see a similarity that they're both not athletic guards. But I feel like, you know, like Dragic, you know, Dragic's able to, you know, manipulate the defense, get his shot up, and I feel like he can do similar things. So, when you look at it from that standpoint, it's like, yeah, he's a similar player to Dragic. Right. Even his finishing, it seems like he finishes at a higher rate. But the the problem with him is he's not fast. So he doesn't yeah. go to the he doesn't actually get to the rim at a high rate. So that's that might be a problem. So Yeah. But so he needs to kind of work on, you know, floaters and you know, and things of like that. Or just or just but he uses his body well. To me, when I'm looking at all these guys, he's the closest thing to tragic that there is. <laughs> to me. <laughs> To me, yeah, to me when I'm looking at it. Yeah, I just feel like you know Drake is a bit more crafty. You know, like he'll get to like Drake is not fast either, but he but Drake will find a way with his handle to get to the rim though. Yeah, and I feel like that's something that you know Flynn is definitely gonna have to work on when he gets to the next level. Exactly. Now, Flint, yo, he's cool. Yo, he got he does this thing where he snakes in between. He's crap. Yo, watch it. He, he does this thing where like he does like he snakes in between pink and rolls and. and and still gets to the rim, but no, he doesn't get to the rim that much. I'm like, but yeah, the, high, the highlights I've seen when he does a little snake thing, I'm like, oh, he's like, okay, like, <laughs> he has a little something. He has a little something. Yeah. So, tell me, guys, what you tell me what you think, guys, below on the YouTube comments, man. Uh, how you feeling? The comparisons? Are we spot on? Are we crazy? 
Um, shout out to all the new listeners and viewers. I, I feel like our YouTube is picking up lately. So shout out to you guys, all the Knicks fans who are engaged. Uh, if you love our content, thank you. If you think we suck, um, thank you for watching anyway. <laughs> <laughs> also, shout out to Dash Radio for housing us and shout out to uh, listen to all our stuff on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and all that stuff. All right? Word. All right. So we're going to continue the next section of our Dollar Tree Knicks Miami Heat. <laughs> rebuild on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed what we had to say so far. Um, but now it's part. Now it's time for one of the favorite parts of the show. Bruh. Uh, it's the bruh picks, man. No ooh picks this week. There's no basketball. So you know what it is. Yeah. You know. LeBron one who can I'm not a LeBron. But <laughs> <laughs> bruh picks. I got one, man. I got one. And all I have to say is, Devin, man, why? Wh- whose man's, man's is this, Ryan? <laughs> whose man? I know we touched on it earlier, but my man's, my man's shooting coaches, Joakim Noah, for real? <laughs> all of them, yo. Joakim Noah, Sean Marion, Lonzo Ball, all, all of them, them, yo. <laughs> all of them, them, this shot. I can't. How in the hell did this man become one of the best two way players in the draft with his the ball cocking behind his head? Word, <laughs> That's it. Shout out to Marcus Camby, too. Yes, Marcus Camby. You can't forget Camby can't, as well. Yeah. <laughs> the original hand behind the hand behind the head shooting yeah. form shot maker. He started making that to- towards the end of his career, too. That's the funny part. Exactly, <laughs> yo. Yo, the good thing about it, though, he shot hard to block. Because when it's coming all the way from back here, I'm, it is, yeah, I'm it's sure. Gonna be, it's going to be hard as hell to block. Uh, yeah, when your arms reach the Pacific Ocean, yeah, it's going to be hard to block. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out to my guy, Kevin, man. Get a Kevin, man. man. Uh, no, bro, no bro picks for you, right? Or do you have one? I can't think of a bro pick, really, man. I mean, I mean, if you want to think about the comments that Kyrie Irving made on the podcast about how he don't think he don't think the Nets have like a he don't think the Nets have a head coach and things of that oh. nature. I mean, Bruh. I mean, yeah, that could be bro pick. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, matter of fact, Kyrie was talking kind of crazy because yeah, he was saying that and he was saying that um, Katie's the first player he's played with that can actually knock down the big oh. shot. I'm like. And I'm like, is that is that a shot at LeBron? That was like, absolutely oh. a shot at LeBron, dog. <laughs> that was absolutely a shot at LeBron. I'm like, yo, I'm like, and then he tried to play it off saying that, you know, he wasn't taking no shots at LeBron and this and that. And, and you know what? I'm going to be fair to Kyrie. I think I kind of understand what he's talking about, you know, because LeBron ain't exactly a shooter per se, but Katie's actually a shooter. Right. You know what I mean? So I I, I think that's what he meant. But when you but when you look at it, when you look at, look at it from the whole scope, it's like saying LeBron saying that it's the first time you play with a player that can actually hit the big shot, and LeBron's hit a lot of big shots in his career. Yeah, anyway, especially when he was at Cleveland too. I'm like, it was subliminal. It was subliminal. <laughs> but yeah, but look, look, LeBron is part of the petty gang too. LeBron, LeBron didn't. LeBron shot back. LeBron yeah. shot back. When they asked him why does this thing work with the Lakers, he said, you know, it's. 
it's it's easier to play with somebody who's not jealous of you. <laughs> I don't know if that's exact words. I don't remember the exact words, but it was something along those lines. Yes, it was, it was something along those, along lines, those yeah. lines. And I was just like, "Ooh, we talking about Kyrie? Like, he yeah. definitely talking about Kyrie." Ah, oh, damn. But yeah, definitely, definitely, bruh, paid to Kyrie, bruh. Somewhere yeah. Alex is cheering because he was about to be mad at you that you didn't have a bro pick, but you pulled one out your butt. Congratulations. Yeah, so I, you always <laughs> got to have one. You can't have me be the new bro. No, that can't be me. Yeah, true. Yeah, I got to at least have gotta one. Have even, one. Though it's gonna be, even though it's going to be kind of hard now since there's no NBA basketball period. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to try I'm gonna try to fish around for bro picks here and there. Yeah, we might have to fish around. We might have to go to America's Funniest Home Video or something. We might have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is our show. Good show, right? Good show. Good show. Yeah, man. Very good, good show. show. Making content when there is no content. Ha ha ha. Exactly. Ha, 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 ha. Content kings. All right. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yo, tune in next week. Shout out to Dash Radio, who's housing us, man. Uh, shout out to SoundCloud. Uh, you can hear us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Um, yeah, if you don't follow us on YouTube, are you dumb? What's wrong with you, bro? Gotta watch this. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah, I need to get with the get program to, and follow. Get to us. this pro get with these programs, man. We just crossed 4K followers on YouTube. So yo, shout out to us. And we climbing, we climbing. So definitely subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash Vicka Time Show. Yes, sir. All right, all right. Follow us on Instagram too. Yes, yes, definitely follow us on Instagram too. I'm on Instagram at uh I'm sorry, the Nick of Time Show is on Instagram at nickatimeshow.com. Yes. <laughs> right? We're also on Twitter at theklt.show.com. We also have a blog on nickatimeshow.com. Right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can find me at JLS Draws Things on Instagram. That's J E L L I S Draws Things if you want to follow your boy. And where can he find you, yes, my guy? They can find me at Sir G. Is Sir chillin'. G is chilling. That is S I R G is C H I L L I N. Yeah, that is it. That is our show. Yes, we out. Peace.